And I really had no idea <laughs> what I was doing and what my voice was, but I really let that kind of come out in my films. And slowly, you know, I had some a lot of bread kneading scenes in my film and a lot of like eating lunch and making food. And it kind of, you know, I kind of found that and I started photographing food a lot more. And then it suddenly kind of all made sense. Like when I came out of NYU, I was like, okay, I can make a living. My goal is going to be to make a living um, shooting food, photographing food, directing food, because I, I feel like I, you know, that's what I'm drawn to when I kind of follow that, you know, intuition. This is the Sourdough Podcast, the show about the innovators, leaders, and creative minds in the sourdough community and the stories behind the bread. On this episode, director and photographer Murray C. tells us how her relationship with her sourdough starter became the inspiration for her award-winning web series, My Life in Sourdough. We talk about the evolution of bread culture in the U.S. and her native France, and she shares her secret for traveling internationally with your sourdough starter. Just a quick community message. If you listened to my interview with Bonnie O'Hara, you'll remember Bonnie's praise for her local grain grower, TNA Farms. Adam Novicki is the A of TNA Farms, and he and his partner, Therese, recently began their journey to recovery after Adam received a cancer diagnosis late last year. Adam is currently undergoing chemotherapy treatments and is unable to maintain working as a wheat farmer and beekeeper. Please consider supporting Adam and Therese during this tough time by contributing to a GoFundMe account set up on their behalf. Let's help Adam get back on his feet so he can continue his vital and inspiring work in creating a local grain economy here in California. You can find a link to his support page on the Sourdough Podcast website. While you're there, be sure to check out my gear page for helpful recommendations on a collection of items that I have found helpful or essential when baking my sourdough at home, as well as my top sourdough cookbook recommendations. Have you been inspired by the stories you've heard on the podcast? If so, please consider supporting it by contributing any amount on my support page. Your support would help me in my goal to continue bringing you better and better content and help mitigate some of the expenses of maintaining the website and equipment needed to run the Sourdough Podcast. It's as easy as clicking on the support button and selecting an amount. Or, if you're short on funds, you can always support the podcast by sharing with your friends on social media or by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. As always, don't forget to post your best sourdough pictures on Instagram and tag me or use the hashtag sourdoughpodcast and I'll pick my favorites to share on my page. And be sure to stay tuned after the episode for new music from Weston Perry. Now, back to the episode. All right, my guest today is Marie C. Uh, Marie is an accomplished director, photographer, and creator of My Life in Sourdough, a web series featuring Jeanne, a French woman played by Marie, who after looking for love in all the wrong places realizes the love of her life is her sourdough starter, Fluffy. Last year, My Life in Sourdough was a finalist for the Saver Magazine Blog Awards and also won Marie the Food Filmmaker of the Year Award at the New York Food Film Festival. Uh, My Life in Sourdough is currently developing its fourth season. Uh, Marie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Hi, Mike. Thank you for the intro. I'm super excited, too. So, you know, I I absolutely loved your web series. Uh, You know, I quickly binge-watched the first two seasons when I first found it a couple years ago. And uh, I've been re-watching them in in preparation for our, our conversation today. 
Um, congratulations on the success of your, of your series. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for our listeners who might not be familiar with your web series, would you uh, describe My Life in Sourdough? Yeah, well, um, like you said, it's a bit of a weird project. It's, it's basically bringing together like my passion for film and, and food and sourdough in particular. Um, so it's a mix between narrative episodes, which are about five minutes each, and then some kind of slow motion recipes um, that are linked to the storyline of the episode. Um, and yeah, the pitch is really about this girl who's looking for love. Uh, she's living in New York and she's not finding the right guy. And then in, in the second season, she realizes that her best friend and kind of roommate and the guy who she makes bread with could actually be her lover and partner. So <laughs> she embarks in a relationship with her sourdough starter and it gets a little absurd and crazy like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so much fun and I really I highly recommend it to everybody in our in our sourdough community. Um it, yeah, like you said it's it's kind of like a rom-com meets a a, a food show and it's I, it's just super unique I thought. Uh, how did you come up with this concept? Yeah, so um I um at the time I was at NYU uh, grad film school and I set up to do like um a food show. I wanted to do a food show, but with a twist. I wanted to do something a little different. Mm -hmm. And I thought a rom-com was, you know, a cool idea. And I love rom-coms in general. I think that genre is, is really interesting. So, um, you know, and I was cooking and baking a lot and I, I, there was a lot of food in all my films uh, mm -hmm. while I was a student, uh, which was a little unexpected because my background was more in law. So mm -hmm. I, I, I thought I was going to make much more, you know, like trial films and like political movies. And I ended up making, you know, films about falling in love with a sourdough starter. So uh, <laughs> it went in a different direction. But um, yeah, so I started this uh, while I was still at NYU. Um, you know, and I developed the series, but I didn't really have like a, um, a long idea in my head. It was more like, let's, let, you know, let's see where we are. Let's shoot, you know, one little food film and then let's try and find a storyline that's linked to it. It kind of became, you know, it started, it started organically like that. I didn't have a whole season okay. planned out. Uh, for season one, at least. So it still feels like season one feels a little bit of like, you know, a draft. I was experimenting. And then, um, you know, and then it became more streamlined for season two. Well, I, when I really wanted my character to be in a relationship, because I felt like she went through so many failed dates, I needed to give her something that was positive. <laughs> um, and so season two, um, that, that crazy idea of like, um, um, actually dating a sourdough starter kind of um, <laughs> kind of came out of like a lot of necessities as well. At the time, I didn't have that much, um, you know, resources. My resources were very limited. So I thought about what I had, which was, you know, this nice room with a lot of daylight in which I could shoot. And then a lot of friends from NYU who could help me shoot. And, um, you know, and that it just made sense to kind of keep it small. And, and I was like, you know, finding like a, a guy and cast a person to be my boyfriend is going to you know, be complicated. I'm just going to, you know, um, take my starter starter and, um, and cast a very good friend of mine to, to be the voice of it. Yeah. Yeah, you have a great cast, and, and you play the lead the lead role. Um, you say, you know, this was something that came out of your uh, experience in grad school. How does this um, this project come into play during your your uh, 
career with like commercials and, and like these big brands? Is this something that's going on along on the side or is this kind of been something that you started a long time ago? Yeah, that's a super interesting question. So it kind of developed alongside, but I would say um, the the series is really kind of what started my career as a commercial director. Because okay. um, it really, you know, I started it while I was still in film school and I kept doing it afterwards. And I must say I was, you know, shooting it when it was a little rough. You know, it was like um, I was shooting it when... You know, I was out of film school. Nobody is waiting for you when you're like out of film school. You know, you think, oh, I've made all these movies and people are like, yeah, but no, you're like, <laughs> you know, you've made a few shorts. Like nobody's like giving you, uh, giving you work. So, but I kept like shooting and I think, so it was a great practice for me to, to shoot, you know, to keep shooting films. And uh, thanks to the exposure I got um, at the Tribeca Film Festival, you know, slowly I met um, people and producers and, that you know they saw my work and they they thought i you know they i could do more more commercial work so i had done a little yeah. bit of commercial work and now and now i'm doing more of it yeah yeah so i your your commercial work your your have, has been featured uh features brands like la Crusade, red lobster organic valley uh the one i i've definitely have seen on tv is the miller high life commercial with the the super catchy jingle Right. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's, I find it super interesting that you originally didn't think you were going to start in, uh, food, uh, focusing your, your work on food so much. Um, I've had, I think that's another, a theme that kind of runs throughout this, uh, series is that people have come from all kinds of different backgrounds and, uh, I've, you know, um, Rose Lawrence, ha one of my previous guests also has a law background and is now a baker in LA um, and you say this kind of just happened organically. You, you, uh, you didn't expect to be a, a, a food film photographer. Not necessarily. Not when I went into film school. I mean, to be honest, after, um, so I qualified as a lawyer in France. I studied law in England and in, and in France. And, um, and then, you know, then I decided after working in a law firm that, you know, it was kind of now or never. Um, I, I would always regret not trying to put all my energy into filmmaking because I was really doing it on the side, like writing screenplays, taking photos and recording some radio shows. But, you know, the creative side of me was really like 10%. And I was always like, what if I devoted like mm. all my time to it? What would happen? I, I, I just wanted to try it out. And so that's, that's what I did. And even though at the time didn't make that much sense, you know, kind of qualifying as a lawyer and then going into uh, film school. But at that time, some people were asking me, oh, are you sure you want to go to film school and not culinary school? So there was already that kind of passion of mine for food. I mean, food has always been part of my life. Cooking, baking, making jams, making bread. It's, it's always been part of my life. But, um, but I must say, I didn't really think it would weave itself into my, my film work. And what's great about the NYU grad school that I went to is that they really let you kind of, you know, express yourself in these first few years and make mistakes and really find your voice. And I really had no idea <laughs> what I was doing and what my voice was, but I really let that kind of come out in my films. And slowly, you know, I had some, a lot of bread kneading scenes in my film and a lot of like eating lunch and baking food. And it kind of, you know, I kind of, found that and I started photographing food a lot more and then it suddenly kind of all made sense like when I came out of NYU I was like okay I can make a living 
my goal is going to be to make a living um, shooting food, photographing food, directing food, because that, I feel like I, you know, that's what I'm drawn to when I kind of follow that, you know, intuition. Yeah, it sounds like you've been kind of just uh, been following that creative impulse um, for a long time. And I think a lot of people can can relate to that. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so most people's relationship with food, you know, begins at home. Uh, that's certainly true for a lot of my former guests who have shared their stories. Um, you've kind of talked about how that um, food and that creative impulse has kind of followed you through your professional careers. Um, but can you describe for us your relationship with food growing up? Do you remember bread playing a particular role or is that something that came along later? Um, yeah. So food, food is, yeah, always been part of my life. I mean, I grew up in France, in the east of France. Um, both my mom and my dad cooked. Um, my my mom, um, you know, loved to embark on like big projects like black currant, red currant jams and, you know, intricate cakes and things like that. And my, my dad was much more of a improv, improv guy. You know, he would just open the fridge and come up with a great salad with like half a pepper and an onion and, you know, nothing in the fridge. So I feel like I, my cooking has a lot to do with these two influences. Um, and also my grandmother with whom I baked a lot of like Christmas cookies and cakes and who is a very precise baker. So I have like some improv and some like precise thing kind of mixed together. Um, and, and I think cooking and baking in particular became a little bit of, um, a way for me to relax after a long day and to kind mm. of like be by myself, but do something with my hands and kind of let my imagination go. And, and I started doing that at, at a very young age. Like my, my mom would, you know, let me use the kitchen and bake a cake from scratch from maybe, you know, the age of eight or something. She would just come in to turn on the gas oven because that was too, too dangerous for me to do. But otherwise she would leave me, you know, let me kind of in my zone. So the kitchen has really been kind of my zone. And, um, and then I would leave a ton of washing up, <laughs> washing up for her, but <laughs> eventually figured out how to, how to wash my own dishes. But, um, but yeah, the cleaning up part is, is not my favorite, uh, still to this day, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And bread in particular, bread is, I mean, bread is such a staple in, in French, uh, cooking and, and, um, it, at my house, it has a particular, um, in, yeah, in the house I grew up, uh, my, there's no, there's not a meal without bread. Mm. Like my, even if we're having pasta, my mom insists on having a bread basket with bread. Like it's, you know, it's like one of these things, like water, it's like you have to have bread at every meal. Um, so that, that's kind of the story um, of how it began. And then I think I got into bread um, pretty early on, kind of, I love the taste of it. I love the you know, the crust, the flavor, the, the fact that you have so many texture in a slice of bread that still to this day amazes me. Um, and I think it's definitely linked to, yeah, the childhood, the tartines that we ate as kids, you know, thick layer of butter, really nice like apple jelly or, or a nice raspberry jam. And that kind of, you know, that first bite into a slice of, of bread is still something that really that I love. Um, and so that obsession with bread kind of like, you know, began quite young. Like I, instead of, instead of having a meal at a canteen at school, I would like sometimes go and have half a baguette or half a loaf of bread. That would be my lunch. Um, and then I think the bread thing, because I lived in so many different countries, like, um, you know, in the UK, in the U S like I felt like bread was always the thing that I was missing. 
Hmm. Um, so I think after I lived in LA for a year, I kind of come back to France and I like worked in a bakery for a summer because I really wanted to be close to bread. Really? And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I ended up selling bread and getting a lot of, uh, cats in my hands, you know, from <laughs> selling baguettes <laughs> and, and you know, that I had a romanticized idea of, Oh, I'm going to be baking bread with a baker. It's going to be, so uh, much. <laughs> I ended yeah. up just like cutting my, my, my hands with baguettes and, uh, selling bread, but it was still a really interesting experience. And I think after that, I became, yeah, I became intrigued into like, oh, what if I could make bread wherever I was, you know, mm. what, what if I could make bread traveling? What if I could have my own sourdough starter? And then that, that thing started. Yeah. And so this was something that, again, has just kind of followed you or did you, did sourdough in particular come into play at a certain point? Did you yes. uh, transition to like naturally leavened bread at a certain point in your uh, yeah. professional career that kind of uh, segued into the show? Yeah. So I started baking sourdough um, a little bit more, a bit more than 10 years ago. And uh, it began in Paris and my friend Clotilde from the blog uh, Chocolate and Zucchini. Okay. Uh, she's a food writer um, and she's based in Paris, but she writes her blog in English and in French. And she gave me a little bit of her sourdough starter at the time. Um, and I got really into it. I got, you know, I started making bread every week and, and, and traveling with my sourdough starter. And, my, and the sourdough starter, you know, came with me to New York. Oh, and really? Well, that, that was actually one of my questions uh, from yeah. one of our listeners, uh, yeah. Julian Snard, which says, you know, how do you travel internationally with your starter since, so, since you brought it up? <laughs> so I have, I have a little life-changing tip on, okay. on the website about that, about how to really? travel with the sourdough starter. Yeah. So there are different ways to do it. Um, one of my favorite ways is just to take one Ziploc bag and put one tablespoon of sourdough starter in it and flatten it out and leave it at the bottom of your suitcase or the bottom of your handbag as if you like forgot some random food in it. And because <laughs> it's so thin, like nobody will, you know, it won't kind of pass as a liquid. People won't really question it. Um, and then when you land, you feed it straight into the, the Ziploc bag and then you empty it in a, wow. you know, in a glass jar. So that's one way of doing it that I find pretty successful. I haven't had issues with that. That's one of the ways I do it. No, uh, nobody pulling you over to the side room to frisk you because of this weird substance? Not yet. So that <laughs> happened to me once when I was traveling with it in, a, with, in my little mason jar. Um, and... Uh, like, um, yes, somebody asked me to taste it actually. So I had to eat a little bit of it for, wow. it, for it to go through security. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I travel with, with the starter all the time, even though I know some people, you know, think that kill sourdough starters and that you should always feed them the same flour and not move them from the environment. My starter, Fluffy is very international. He's, yes. you know, he's traveled to a lot of places, very cultured. He's tried <laughs> so many different flowers. Um, so he's, uh, yeah. He's a traveler. Well, awesome. So, so you're traveling back and forth with your, your starter. You, it was a, you were gifted your, your sourdough starter. I think that's where I jumped into the story with your question. Um, how did it become this, your inspiration for my life in sourdough, your relationship with sourdough? And side question, how much of your character, uh, Jean, is based off of your real life uh, relationship with sourdough? Yeah. Um, so 
I think the character, like, like Fluffy, um, I think I, I named Fluffy, that's the real name of my starter. And I think um, I became interested in, in the life of a sourdough starter, just baking with it, but also, you know, looking at its cycle, looking at how it behaved under mm -hmm. different circumstances, like, you know, kind of finding it fascinating that it was like an something that was alive, that was mm -hmm. kind of always with me. And I think one of one of the reasons I went to him as a, as a partner and kind of love interest is that I felt like it was, um, you know, a thing that, um, that was with me through everything, mm. you know, like I, I traveled with him. I, he stayed in my fridge. Sometimes he was out in the counter. Um, we would bake things together. So I was like, it's, it's, you know, it's a thing that's always, that's been constant through my, through the last 10 years. Like I've had, you know, different boyfriends, but they, you know, fluffy has been like the one the consistent constant. thing. Yeah. Exactly. And I've like moved across countries and I've done different things, but fluffy has always like been there for me. Have you, kind of have you killed fluffy at any point in your, uh, so <laughs> fluffy, fluffy almost died. Um, almost died a few years ago when I think I went a little too far. I, I, I left it in the fridge one time. I didn't take it on a trip with me and I left it in the fridge for, for, I think over two months. And when I came back, I was like, okay, you know, there was the hoosh, the, the liquid at the top and it was a little gray. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And I started feeding it and slowly it kind of vaguely recovered, uh -huh. but it had a little bit of gray, almost some kind of mold in it. And I was like, how am I going to get rid of that? And I kept, I kept just feeding it more intensely, feeding it like twice, three times a day, lots of good flour, um, and slowly removed the gray stuff that was looking really scary. And, you know, after 10, two weeks of that routine, it, really? it, it went back to life, even though honestly, I, I had like very low hopes at this one. I was like, I, I, I killed the starter. Um, so that was one like, um, near death experience for Fluffy. And then more recently I almost killed him because, um, <laughs> it was in a little glass jar and I was moving and I had a lot of bags with me and the jar fell to the floor oh, and yep. shattered in a million pieces. And I was a bit worried about rescuing him because I thought little pieces of glass would be in the, you know, in the starter that I couldn't see. But I ended up rescuing like a tiny bit, like a little, you know, a little teaspoon. And then I thought, okay, let's try this. Let me revive Fluffy with one drop. So I literally took one drop because I thought, okay, the chances of having glass in it uh -huh. are going to be very, very small. Took one drop of Fluffy and fed it for, again, for like, you know, after one time, it was already up and, and growing. And after he 10 days, like, it was, sounds uh, like a stud, a champion. Yeah, he's like a survivor. <laughs> yeah, a survivor. <laughs> he's been through a lot. Yeah, yeah, he's a survivor. Yeah. Well, that's, 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 uh, I, I think that's what I, I think most people in our sourdough community will, will resonate with or connect with about your series is that there's definitely a relationship of sorts going on with your, your starter. Um, it's definitely uh, an, a presence in your house, in your home, in your family, and it uh, it's there for you through thick and thin. As long as you know you uh, take care of it at least a little bit, and um, and I think uh, yeah, I, I think it's just a really cool concept for your for your show, for your series, and and just incorporating the uh, the recipes, and um, it really is just like this really unique blend of uh, 
romantic comedy and, and uh, food show um, that I think most people have not uh, been exposed to before. Um, kind of going back to, you know, the difference between, you know, you're, you've traveled quite a bit. Um, can you talk a little bit more about your experiences with the bread, like cross-culturally, um, having grown up in France, um, what's been your kind of uh, observations of the, the kind of bigger differences between American bread culture, if you will, and, and bread in, in France? Great question. I, um, I, think, I think the bread culture in the U.S. right now is changing a lot so I think I feel like even 10 years ago if you had asked me that question I, I you know I would have replied differently so I feel like right now I mean as we all see like sourdough is on the rise like everybody's making sourdough it's like um, a lot of people are going back to these core elements and making bread themselves because in the U.S. generally, like good bread is not as widely available as it is in France. So I think we have in the U.S. a lot more home make home bakers than in France, for instance. Really? Um, it, yeah, uh, in France, a lot of people don't bother because they can find really good bread. They can find sourdough bread. They can find um, you know bread. Yeah, that are. I mean, there's a, a good bakery in every town. Um, you know, um, in 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 some towns, you know, people don't use full sourdough, and it is a little hard to find like 100% wild yeast bread. But you can find, I think, pretty good bread uh, if you look a little bit in France. So I feel like there's there's less that kind of tradition of making your own bread. Mm-hmm. Um, because but it's so is, available. Because it's widely available, mm-hmm. but there is a lot more of a tradition to eat bread a lot more still, mm-hmm. I think, in France than in the U.S. I think in the U.S., um, especially now, e- even though it's interesting, we're having this like rise of sourdough and this like rise of gluten-free at the same time. And it's like, I feel like <laughs> in the U.S., it's still... F- it's still kind of frowned upon a little bit to eat bread. It's like, yeah. ooh, carbs, bread, you know, it's not, you know, it's a li- it feels a little bit like indulgent and as, you know, as if you're eating chocolate or something. Whereas, whereas in France, like eating bread, <laughs> like nobody's going to like, you know, no be like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> nobody's going to make you feel weird for eating a baguette or like a sandwich in a baguette or a tartine in the, the morning. Like that's kind of part of the life. So I feel yes, like... There's no um, gluten-free baguette. I mean, so there are gluten-free is actually a thing in France too, because, you know, everything that's like a hit in the U.S., good or bad, ends up, <laughs> you know, ends up in France. We receive everything that you guys create in the end. I, I mean, there's a little, you know, there's a little uh, time difference. Like we don't get it immediately, but eventually everything that's, um, yeah, that's in, in the U.S. will eventually make its way to, to Europe and France. But um but yeah, I, I, I feel like that's one of the main, I, I would say, differences. And, and I feel like in, in the U.S., maybe because people were like not used to like real bread that was made, you know, ma- made in a bakery, people kind of still associate bread with something they can buy in a supermarket and that, that's more processed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though processed bread is also widely available in France in supermarkets people still go to the bakery most most people still go to a bakery to to eat bread and they they make that a tradition it's like they eat bread every day they buy their baguette every day or they buy their bread for the week and it's it's more something that they have in the house at all times whereas I think that's not as much a part of like daily life for Americans from for what I'm, I'm gathering people are more like 
buying bread when they have like a party or a dinner or, you know, they don't always have bread at their house unless they bake it like, like you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's another thing we've talked about kind of that's come along with um, this resurgence of interest uh, here in the U S with sourdough is kind of um, knowledge about where your bread comes from and the grains that are used and where those grains come from. Is that something that's also common in France uh, with bread culture or is that just something that's taken for granted? No, I think it's also becoming something. I think people are becoming more conscious about where, where the flour come from. Uh, there are a few bakers in France uh, too that have become farmers. So mm. they, they, you know, they bake once a week and they also, they're, they're dealing with their own wheat from start, you know, from A to Z. Um, so there's also, I think we're going back to that. Um, and it's like, because bread is so um, um, specific and so about three ingredients. I mean, it's mind-blowing. It's water, flour, salt. It's so small. I think people realize now that a good flour, good water, good salt, like that's very, it's very important. And all these ingredients are like, you know, it's not like you're making bread, like you're making a stew and you're adding a hundred different ingredients and, oh, it doesn't matter if my turmeric is, is like five years old, you know, this is not, you know, making bread with a flour that's not fresh is going to have an impact. And I'm also getting um, more into that, into like sourcing the right flour and, and baking with a fresher flour um, because I feel like, you know, you see the, you see the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's, you know, it's something we've talked about before on this episode or on this podcast is that, you know, a lot of us, since this is relatively new, like you said, 10 years, is it's kind of um, taken on a, a new life form, um, new energy here in the U.S. You know, a lot of us who grew up in, you know, 70s or 80s or, you know, that we weren't exposed to this kind of a, a type of bread, we, you know, we associated sourdough with um, certain things like San Francisco or, you know, even here, you know, um, is, is there a certain type of uh, association in France with sourdough or, or is, is it all I, kind of uh, synonymous? I think, um, I think in France, like um, people assume in some way that there is some kind of levain in every bread. Mm. So when you start talking about sourdough and le pain au levain, they're like, oh yeah, but every bread has levain in it. And then you have to kind of go into the details of like, actually, yes and no, like a lot of bread use artificial yeast and, you know, wild yeast is a little different. So there's still some, I think, not everybody knows about that, about the detail of sourdough. Uh-huh. Um, and the French are a little bit less, I, I would say generally, a little bit less into the, the sour element of sourdough. Mm. I personally adore it and I love that. But um, some, you know, I think a lot of people also like their bread to taste a little bit more neutral and not as sour. But I, I, I love, I'm all for sour sourdough. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would say um, that, yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, no, I'm just, it's, I just find it super interesting. And I love getting or being able to talk yeah. to people who yeah. grew up in different countries and, and learning yeah. about, you know, what what bread is uh, in their country and, and kind of uh, these I- ideas and, and uh, concepts that kind of 
form people's uh, views and 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 connections to to bread in particular sourdough. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. I was interested maybe if you could comment a little bit on um, and this kind of relates to our our sourdough community here. Um, if you can comment about kind of. Uh, social media's role in, in kind of this recent movement of sourdough and uh, social media for better or for worse. I think for the most part, for the better, um, as you know, really inspired a lot of people to discover sourdough. Um, specifically, you know, on Instagram, I think is primarily um, where a lot of our listeners have kind of interacted with each other in our community here. And Instagram is, you know, is primarily like a visual platform. Um, but, you know, people are, you know, asking questions and, and sharing advice in the comments. Um, I was wondering as a food photographer, filmmaker, you know, kind of what, what, what your take on this phenomenon would be Instagram being such a, like a, a photo centric, if you will, um, platform. Why do you think that is such an important role in, in people's uh, connection to sourdough? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really see um, Instagram as a, you know, as an, as a cool platform, but mainly as an extension of my work. Like for me, you know, I don't use it as a personal thing, really. It's yeah. really about like, you know, showcasing the things that I've done and the photographies I've shot. And so I really see it as, as, as work. Um, I love the fact that it's interactive and that people can um, ask questions and relate to you and give you ideas. And, and I think, um, I think the key is to, I don't know, to, to keep that authenticity and that kind of instantaneous feel, mm -hmm. but without letting it take over your life, which, you mm -hmm. know, which it has a tendency to do because it, it is highly addictive and, and it can also be kind of a hole into you, you know, into which you kind of get lost. Um, so, but, um, but I think staying, staying authentic and I kind of sharing my failures and my joys has been kind of, um, have been dealing with the, uh, sourdough account. And I think it's been cool because people can really relate, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to always show like a perfect picture. Um, I think bread is very photogenic. Um, people now are very into, you know, scoring videos and like mm -hmm. looking at the way the bread looks. And, and I, I do try and make my feed kind of consistent and pleasing to the eye and, 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 you know, and exciting with a mix of like bread photos, but also Paris photos, New York photos, like different photos about the show. But, um, but in my stories, I think that's where I try to stay a little bit more, um, real and you know i will i will try you know right now i'm trying to ferment kombucha and i'm like i, I have all these weird kind <laughs> of like little little uh, mushrooms floating around and i'm like oh is that i don't really know what that is but i'm like share you know i'm sharing the process and i yeah. think people kind of can re relate to to that so so yeah i think it's been it's been great on on you know to also follow i also follow a lot of bakers on you know on instagram and and they really inspire me, like, you know, Maurizio, The Perfect Loaf, I, I love his account and his blog. Um, uh, also love uh, Kate's Bread, um, her... Yeah, her, I saw that you, you uh, bakeries. Yeah. made a visit out there recently. I did make a visit out there, and that was like a dream bakery in the middle of the forest. Her bread was incredible, <laughs> and, um, and I really... I really love her concept and her Instagram and, and how she's just, you know, kneading dough, playing music and, and, you know, um, 
she's got such a cool uh, personality. She's she's really great, and her bread is 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 cool. Um, very good, more than cool. She's it was, a pretty good photographer wow. too. Yeah, she's a great photographer too. So I I love her account too. Uh, I mean, there are many more, but um. But yeah, so I feel like it is a little community, a little virtual community, but it's great when you can meet those people. So, yeah. you know, Maurizio, I also met him on a couple of occasions. So it's, it's nice to meet, you know, to end I up think I saw them. a picture of you guys uh, hanging out in Memphis for the yes. Saver Blog Awards last year. Yes, yes, yes. We talked, a l- yeah, we talked about Brattle a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we were just hanging out and talking about sourdough and flour. Do, yeah. you, do you feel like you have a special camaraderie with other bloggers? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I, yeah, I felt like at, at this event we were, you know, I think the the bre- bread and sourdough kind of like drew us together. And but we we had we had great interaction with other bloggers there. We did cool little sessions where we talked about where we were and where we wanted to go and our projects. And so yeah, it was a really inspiring. It's really inspiring to meet people in in real life. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's well. It's yeah. pretty rare that I've I've had the opportunity to do that. Um, but yeah, it, this it's I've I've have been able to meet a couple people in person, and uh, yeah, it's just always it's always so fun to like put a face with a name, especially if you've you know people. I don't post pictures of myself very often; it's usually just my bread. And so uh, yeah, it, it's there's something automatic you have when you when you connect with somebody um, totally. who also appreciates bread. Um, yeah. Have you see, received any like special feedback? Would you say uh, on your work from the sourdough community in particular? Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, people really related to my character and this relationship. Um, so I have received, generally it's been well received, I think, in the sourdough community. Um, like some people, you know, reach out to me when they watch the series. Um, like Sarah Owen, for instance, that's how I met her. She was like, this is so, like, you know, <laughs> this is so my life. Like, <laughs> so I think, I think it's, um, yeah, it's, I think people who, who have to feed a sourdough starter every day, and you know they really relate because <laughs> even though a lot of people talk about the sourdough starter like their pet or their friend, I think you know I, I guess I took it one step further with like making him my lover. But I, I think it you know I just, think just it's one step further. Yeah, just one step, step further, <laughs> one small step. Um, yeah, but I think yeah I think it's relatable for a lot of people, but specifically for a sourdough baker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's it's really great. Um, Season four is currently in the works. Is there anything, uh, without giving too much away, what can what can we look forward to uh, in season four? Yeah, so um, I season four is yeah in the works in development. Um, it's I don't want to spoil the series for anybody who hasn't seen season three. So season three kind of ends on a cliffhanger, I think. Uh-huh. Um, um, and season four will be um, a little bit of a journey on how, you know, how to deal with, with that disappearance. And um, it'll take us different places. Um, so I'm imagining, yeah, a, a road trip journey for season four. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I yeah. Don't, it, it took, season three was in, took place Paris. in France, in Paris. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the next season will be an international uh, sourdough adventure. Yeah, road trip. Yeah. <laughs> well, great! I can't wait to can't yeah wait to watch it. Um, well, I, do you have any other upcoming projects or promotions you want to share with our audience? Well, I think right now, yeah, it's mainly about like um, 
letting people know that they can watch three seasons of My Life in Sourdough on, on the website? Because I get, I get some messages from people who are like, where can I watch My Life in Sourdough? And it's like, okay, yeah, we have a website. All the three seasons are available. So there's like a lot of content there and you can watch life-changing tips and recipes and, and stories. And it's so um, easy, I'll say, from personal experience yeah. to just watch the entire series <laughs> in one sitting. Well, that makes me happy. Thank you. <laughs> like to hear that you binged uh, on sourdough <laughs> yeah um so yeah i think directing people to this website and then if they want to know a little bit more about my work as a photographer and commercial director then i have an, another website called i bake films where you can yeah. see my photography so yeah it's your your work is just uh stunning it's beautiful and uh you know you're i think you're part of this com our community that's out there and inspiring people to to uh discover sourdough bread and, and just have a, a, a connection with it and and uh so i really appreciate you coming on the podcast and and just uh, being able to share your experiences and and uh, your story and um i think people are really gonna enjoy watching your series and, and especially season four coming up i know i'm excited about that thank you so much for coming on the podcast marie thank you mike my pleasure thank you bye bye See the truck pass over the highway Watching the road pass under the car Don't know much about where we're moving But you know who I am and I know who you are Moving to a new house every two years Things get changed up all of the time This time was bigger than it has been before, dear But I will be your home when you will be mine California, California, to California, we are wandering.
care.